going to start this morning with a question. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of pressure on this question because it's going to tell me a whole lot about you. Namely, it's going to tell me if you're paying attention today or not, and then that'll set the tone for the next 15 minutes. Everybody good? All right. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever felt lonely. Oh, good. About 50% participation today. We're good. Now, I have some statistics today about loneliness. Now, I will tell you, using my cell phone in a sermon would send my mother and father into a corner. So I'm dealing with the game, uh, shame and guilt of that. But here we go. Loneliness, as defined when you look at it from, um, from a study done by Psychology Today, loneliness does not depend on how many friends or relationships you have. Loneliness depends entirely on the subjective quality of your relationships. So do you feel emotionally, physically, and socially connected? That's what loneliness is really about. More than 60% of people who have felt lonely are married or have a long-time partner. Loneliness distorts our perceptions of our relationships. Studies have found that merely asking people to recall times they felt lonely was sufficient enough to make them devalue their relationships and feel lonely all over again. Which means when I asked you to raise your hand if you'd felt lonely, half of you went back to that place where you felt lonely and automatically wanted to stop listening to me. Loneliness is proven to be contagious within your social networks. Think about that. Loneliness is proven to be contagious. Something that we think of as sheer isolation spreads. Loneliness can actually make you feel colder. Are you cold all the time? Maybe you're lonely. Loneliness makes our bodies feel like they're under attack. Loneliness can cause us to feel sick physically. Chronic loneliness significantly increases our risk of cardiovascular disease. Loneliness suppresses the functioning of our immune system. Now here's a random fact for you. It also proves that they study everything in the course of our world today. College freshmen who felt lonely had poor reactions to the flu shot 89% of the time. Random facts, 101. Loneliness is as dangerous as cigarette smoking. Loneliness increases our risk of early death by the same percentage of cigarette smoking. Now there's some facts about being alone for you. You see, today the scripture, today the topic is all about community. And when I started thinking about preaching this sermon, I started with the natural place. Community, right? My community. I love my people. My people love me well. I love to sit around a table and eat with my people. I love to be present with the people in my life. But every time I started there, I had nowhere else to go. There it is, community. That'd be a pretty short sermon. And some of you are going, well, just stop there then. But the truth is, community starts way before you get to the table. Community starts with the acknowledgement that it is human nature 
to be alone. And I will tell you that it's the enemy's nature to want you to feel alone. Because in that space in your head and your imagination, in that space where you let the world wander, in that space where you are not accountable to other people, that is the place where you get separated most from God. And here's why. God created us out of community. God started this entire thing with community. I want you all to get out a Bible. I purposefully did not tell Jamie and John, Jamie and John are back in the AV Tech booth, that I was doing this today because it's, it's a verse that you've seen before. It's a verse that you've heard. It's a verse that if you've ever tried to read the Bible all the way through, it's the verse you start with. And I want you to look at it a little differently today. We're going to start in Genesis 1. So when I say the beginning, I mean the actual beginning here. Genesis 1.1, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. So what's that about? The creation of earth, right? And that's usually what we think of when we read this verse. But I want you to look just a little bit closer. When God began to create, so God the creator— Oftentimes, we say God the Father. You've heard that, right? God the Creator and the Father. If you skip down a little bit in verse 2, it says God's wind swept over the waters. What do we think of when we hear God's wind? What's, what, is, what do we usually call God's wind? Anybody? Come on, 830 had it, and they were way early. Breath. What about the Holy Spirit? There we go. The Holy Spirit. So when we refer to God's wind everywhere in the Bible, that's actually referring to the Holy Spirit. So we have God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to jump ahead just a little bit, and I'm sorry, it's maybe more than a little bit, to John 1. I know, a whole New Testament. It's a rough day today. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with everything in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. Skip to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his home among us. So the Word is Jesus. So in the beginning, we had God the Father. In the beginning, we had God the Holy Spirit, and in the beginning we had God, the Word, which was Jesus. So from verse 1, community matters. From verse 1, the Trinity engaged in the creation of us. You see, isolation, isolation is a temptress. It makes us think that we can do it all alone, but not even God did it singularly. It took the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but it took all of those things and us before God said it is supremely good. Today we're talking about radical community. The truth is community 
is not a brand new idea. Community starts in verse 1 of creation. I think the radical piece is understanding that community does not exist anywhere in your life separate of God. Now, I will tell you, if I, so the question I would have started with had I started with community would be this. How many of you have a person in your life that you consider your person? How many of you have a village or a community or a band or whatever version of that word that you want? How many of you have your group of people? Me? Whether that's one person or 50 people. And if I was to ask you about your group of people, you would tell me all of the great things about your group of people. You would tell me why they were important to you. You would tell me what value they add to your life. And truthfully, you've probably got more than one community of people. You've got your really close-knit group of friends. You've got your community of faith, presumably. If you don't, welcome to the party. You're here. You've got a community at work. You've got a community where you live. We have all of these communities. But the truth of the matter is you're going to tell me about all your communities with you at the center of your community. Now, that's not a critique. That's who we are. Our communities circle around us. I mean, you take a look at people who want to talk about circles of influence, and who starts your circle of influence? You're in the middle. That's what we are driven to see. Look at social media of any kind, whatever platform. It starts with you. But the truth of the matter is, when we look at community from our vantage point, we do not look at community in the way that God has set forth for us. Now, I know a bunch of you are real mad at me right now, and that's okay. I'm calling you selfish or self-centered or whatever it is that you've got in your brain, and the truth is I'm not. I'm telling you that we all live and work that way. And my invitation to you today is to hear the word of God and reimagine your communities. Reimagine the way in which you interact with people who are important to you and you interact with people who you would rather not see ever again in your life. I know. It's a thing, right? So today we're going to go to Galatians. Now, if you already have your Bible out, you can pull it out, but I know that not all of you do, and that's okay. It's going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to be in Galatians 5. I will tell you that the title in my Bible says two different ways of living. We're starting in verse 16. I say, be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the spirit, and the spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other. So you shouldn't do whatever it is you want to do. But if you are being led by the spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious, since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive, opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. Anybody want to fill in those other things? That's a lot of words for me this morning. I warn you, as I have already warned you, that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the self with the passions and the desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry, or be jealous for each other. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to That's a lot of words to say this. When you're in community for your own selfish reasons, you're going to get your own selfish things out of your community. When you are in control, you are going to get what you give back out of it. And we are only capable of so much as children of God. So, that doesn't mean it's all going to be bad. It could absolutely be a community full of things that are great and good. But what the scripture is telling us today is that if you're putting into it what you want and need, you are forgetting the major piece of the puzzle. And that's how God is going to use you and your community to further his kingdom. Because that's what you were created for. You know, I did not actually expect to be preaching this sermon today. So when I found out earlier this week, I thought, all right, no big deal. I'll look and see what it's going to be on. Now, it turns out that it was on a subject that I didn't really want to talk about this week. I had a rather long week. The people in my life had a really long, hard week. And my inclination when the people in my life have a stressful week is to bring everybody in my living room and let nobody leave. We don't need other people. We don't need anything else to go wrong. If we all just sit here on the couch and watch Mickey Mouse and drive ourselves nuts, life will be fine. But the truth of the matter is that God doesn't call us to be alone. God calls us to put down our own stuff and step back into a community that needs us. And y'all, your community needs you. Now, there are communities that it's easier to talk about God being at the center of. Your church, for one, right? Presumably, if you're walking in this door, it's fairly easy to talk about Jesus because everybody else is in here. Not so much are they worried about you talking about Jesus. Now, I will tell you, I have had a few meetings in church lately that had not much to do with Jesus. So that's not always true, right? But there are places that are easy to talk about Jesus being at the core and the center of who we are and what we're doing. Now, there are places and communities that it is harder to put Jesus at the center of. Sometimes that's your work. Talking about Jesus and God is not really acceptable in all places of employment, right? Sometimes that's at home. Sometimes that's with your friends. But it's very clear in the scripture today that this is not optional. This is not up for debate. Putting God at the center of your community is a part of how we move and live and breathe if we are living in the kingdom of God. Now this week, the youth talked about a story, Mary and Martha. Have you heard of Mary and Martha? They were Jesus's friends. Typically, when we talk about Mary and Martha, we talk about Martha, the doer, the one who is putting everything together and making sure everything is perfect for Jesus. And then we talk about Mary, who just kind of lets all that go because she wants to sit at the feet of Jesus. We talk about which one of those we um, most 
think are like us. I'm a Martha. I'm a planner, a doer. I want to be here three hours early, and I want to make sure everything is ready to go. We talk about which one was right and which one was wrong. But this week in youth ministry, we talked about Jesus in this story. We talked about the fact that Martha thought she was doing it all right. How many of you go into most things that you do with good intentions? Most of us do, right? You go in with the best intentions to love your people well, to love Jesus well, to be a good person, to be a good friend. Martha went into this situation with all the good intentions in the world. But all the good intentions in the world don't always equal the best outcome. And Jesus, rather than shaming her or making her feel bad, Jesus, rather than just letting it go, said, Hey, stop. Join me. Be a part of this. Look at Mary and see that she is taking time to be right here with me. Because you see, Jesus was being a friend that was real. In your community, you've got to have people that will be real with you. People who don't put you at the center of the community. People that put you next to them in a community of faith. People that lovingly say, you got it wrong, back off. People that lovingly say, you need to lean in and give a little more. People that question your intentions, not because they want to throw you out or put you out, but because they care quite a bit about how you interact together. You see, putting God at the center of your group, of your community, whatever community that is, doesn't mean talking about God all the time. It doesn't mean carrying your Bible into the party everywhere you go. It means living out your faith as a part of that community in the way that Jesus lived out his faith as a part of his community. So I want to invite you this week to live out in your community in a different way. Don't make it about you. Don't think about what you need or you're going to get out of it. Remember that God put you in this community to further his kingdom as a part of his community, and this is your opportunity and chance to show up at the table. To show up at the table alone, to show up at the table scared, to show up at the table angry and mad, to show up at the table full of hope, because once you all arrive in your community, God can and will work. Because all this was created in community, by community. And that's the radical part. That it's not big or overcomplicated. That it's not crazy. That it's fairly simple. And I want to leave you today with a reminder of how simple it can really be. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions to distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and with simplicity. 
They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. You are making a place at the table for people who need community, who need God's community, and who need God's love. It is not complicated. It is not always treacherous. Sometimes it is just pulling up to the table with everything that you are because that's who God created you to be. May it be so for you this week. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for giving us a community. Sometimes we don't want one. Sometimes we walk away from one. Sometimes we're really mad at them, and so we think we don't need it, but we know that you created us in community. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, you are the one who guides us. Help us to pull up a seat in our community. Not a community surrounded by us, but a community which surrounds you. And ultimately, a community that opens up the seat at the table for the next in line. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.